again, start to get excited and get ready to read the Bible together as a church. This plan that um, the church has created is at BethelDurham.com slash Bible. And this plan will actually start on December 24th. I know that sounds a little bit weird. Like, wait, aren't we supposed to start this kind of stuff in the new year? You know, makes sense. But it's actually going to start the day before we celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So that plan will start on the 24th, but I have good news. For those of you who are like, nope, I'm ready to go ahead and get in and jump into whatever the church is reading right now, then you can go to BethelDurham.com slash start now. And if that's not right, I will tell you what it is. (laughs) Um, Michael will correct me, I'm sure, but... There is a link now for what our church has been going through on social media in specific little devotions, tiny devotions that we've been doing by video day by day. If you're unfamiliar with that, you can check out our Bethel Facebook page and see all of those stories that we've been posting so that you can kind of catch up, read along with us, or get some practice before we start our Bible reading plan on the 24th. One other thing to mention is that um, our youth group is meeting back together on Wednesday nights. So if you have someone who is between the ages of 7th grade all the way through college, you are more than welcome to bring your child on Wednesday night. We meet in the fellowship hall, and we are socially distant as much as we possibly can um, and meet there while the adults meet here in the sanctuary at 7 p.m. on Wednesday evenings. One other quick thing that I wanted to mention is that we are planning a little trip for our young babies, our toddlers, our elementary school students, and that is a trip to the pumpkin patch. Um, Many of you probably know that uh, the holders um, and Jeremy and Ashley Walker are starting a Uh, pumpkin patch farm and so we want to go and be able to have some fun with them and enjoy God's creation picking a pumpkin spending some time together and enjoying the the great outdoors as we kind of get back together and try to have some of that interaction again amongst our our younger kids here at church we do not pass an offering plate in this time right now, so I do want to encourage you to go online and give. That's at BethelDurham.com. There's a little icon that will come up at the bottom of your screen on the right where you can give. There's also an offering plate out in the foyer where you can give as well. Welcome. We're going to get ready for the message that Brother Larry is preaching today, and I am excited. So if you will, give Brother Larry a warm welcome. Kids going to the pumpkin patch. Boy, it's time. It's nice to get back to some sense of normalcy, isn't it? To see things open up a little bit, and my gym opened back up. Tammy's heard me complain all week about how sore I am because I'm old, but uh, it was at least some sense of normalcy to be able to walk into a gym again. And yes, we social distance there and do our thing there. But um, I'm just glad the church is open, ain't you? Amen. If there's ever been a time we need the church, it's today. It is today. And so, Todd, when you come, you run deep, don't you, brother? Huh? What you got there in your hands? <laughs> and Dylan, welcome home, young man. Where you at? Why don't you stand up for us? God bless you, Dylan. So this young man just came home from the military, served four years. Uh, and, and Dylan, we honor your service. Thank you for your service to our nation, and welcome home. Amen. So let me pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the spirit that we felt here already, for your Holy Spirit. God, it prepares our hearts to receive your word, and then the word pricks our heart and prepares us to receive what you might have for us through your Holy Spirit. So I pray for your anointing here, Lord. I pray to rest here, that it rests in me. God, these words won't be my words, they'll be your words. And whoever you've prepared to hear it and receive it, and whatever you have for someone to receive today, they'll be open to receive it. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. So I want to speak just for a little while this morning on the purpose and the power of the Holy Spirit. Church, if there has ever been a time when we need the power of the Holy Spirit, it's today. We need it functioning in our church. We need it functioning among our members. And you know, what happens, I think, is as we talk about, as soon as you mention the word Holy Spirit, I think even amongst church people are like, oh boy, it's about to get weird here. 
I mean, really. I think when we say holy, Christians even are perfectly comfortable with the idea of God the Father. We hear about God, and we should be comfortable with that. God the Son, our Lord, our Savior, the one that came and gave Himself for us on a cross, we're comfortable for that. But as soon as we say the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, people go, whoa, down, where's He going with this? And particularly if you say, well, I'm, I'm from a Pentecostal church. Oh, boy. What week at night do y'all bring snakes out? I mean, let's just... Let's just be honest. I was able to talk to a friend of mine today, a couple just this past week, and I was talking to him and sharing some things with him. And then finally I said, well, I attend a Pentecostal church. He goes, you attend a Pentecostal church? And I said, yes, I do. And I began to tell him a little bit about what we believe. And church, the Holy Spirit is just as much God as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Just as much. And for what's happening in the world today, He's the primary agent of what's going on. If you're here today and you've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, that was done through the work of the Holy Spirit drawing you to, to, to His. That's what happened. I, I love to study most of my... I can't remember a time when, I've been, when something has been in my spirit more than this. I spent most of the week studying over this. When you, when you come up here to prepare to teach or to preach, you get a new appreciation for what a pastor does every Sunday. It takes a lot. But I spent a lot of time with Jack Hayford. He's uh, spirit field. This is his study Bible. I love studying behind it. And I got a lot of it from him. And Jack Hayford says this. He says that God is the executive. Jesus is the architect. And the Holy Spirit is the contractor. And I like that. Because everything that happens today to advance the kingdom of God is done through and by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So we need to know what His purpose is. We need to know the power that comes from it. But what we immediately go to is, well, are they going to get weird? People, Church, people are always going to think we're weird. By the fact you come here on a Sunday morning and stand and worship like you have just done, there's a whole segment of the world out there that say, those people are weird. They're weird people. That's okay. The Bible says that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are being, by, being saved, it is the power of God unto salvation. The power. And we're going to talk about the power, the dunamis power. We need, there is so much going on in our world today between corona and violence and racism that people are scared, they won't come to church, people are anxious. If we ever need the power of the Holy Spirit to function in our church, in our lives today, it is today. And if you're going to go out and do it on your own, you're going to fail. But if you'll be open to His ministry and what He wants to do in your life, in your home, in your church, in our state, in our nation, things will happen. But not when we're going to do it on our own. Because we will not do it on our own. But it doesn't make us weird. I like this statement that I've heard before. It says, when the power of the Holy Spirit is separated from the purpose of the Holy Spirit, things can get real weird real fast. And that's true. I've seen things in church. You've heard pastor preach on it. People do things. that the, It's not the Holy Spirit. Some flesh has gotten involved. And that happens. But my friend, when he begins to move legitimately, there's nothing like it. And we need, to, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to read the introduction to you. It says, Christian believers today seem to have a full understanding of God the Father and God the Son but God the Holy Spirit seems to be a more confusing and misunderstood person. It is vitally important to the believers today to understand the purpose and the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself makes it very clear that the role of the Holy, what the whole role of the Holy Spirit will be during the age of grace. Everything that is accomplished today to advance the kingdom of God is done through the work of the Holy Spirit. And we need that. Let's take a look at the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. He is part of the Trinity. The Trinity is defined as three distinct, as one God manifested in three distinct persons, persons, equal in nature and purpose. They will never violate the will of the other. I can say more to you about the Trinity than I can explain. I will not even begin to explain that to you, but understand that the Holy Spirit is as much God as God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. He participated in the creation. If you look at Genesis 1 and 2, it says the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering 
over the face of the waters. So before, in the creation, the Holy Spirit's hovering over that void. And then the next verse says, God said, the architect said, let there be light. And there was. And that was done through the work of the Holy Spirit. He's the contractor. And the Bible tells us it was all done through Christ. But it was done by the Holy Spirit. He is the author of the Old Testament. We'll also see that he's the author of the New Testament. Isaiah 59 and 21 says this, As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them. My spirit who is upon you and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your descendants, nor from the mouth of your descendants, descendants, says the Lord, from this time and forevermore. When those prophets spoke in the Old Testament, every word that was spoken in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was moving through them, was putting those words, the words of the Father, out. In the Old Testament, what happened was that the Holy Spirit came upon the Old Testament saints for power. When God wanted to do something miraculous through someone, the Holy, He sent the Holy Spirit to come upon them. Now, I've got several scriptures there. I didn't put them up there for Mark. I'll just tell you a little bit about it. In Numbers eleven seventeen, Moses needed some people to help him run a nation. And God sent some men down. He said, I'm going to bring some men down, and I'm going to put the same spirit that's on you upon them to help rule the nation. In Judges six thirty four, Gideon. Gideon was scared to death. God had said, I'm going, to, I'm going to use you, Gideon, to be a warrior. And he gave all the reasons why he couldn't be a warrior. And then the Bible says that the Holy Spirit came upon Gideon and he blew a trumpet and he defeated the Midianites. And lastly, in 1 Samuel 16 and 13, when David was appointed as the king of Israel, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit, when Samuel poured the oil on him, that the Holy Spirit came upon David to be king. But you know, some churches, I studied that and as I studied about the Holy Spirit coming upon People, it also heard this. When the Holy Spirit came upon David, it departed Saul. The Bible says Samson, you know the story of Samson, big strong man, his strength was in his hair. Delilah kept, them women, you know, get us in trouble. And Delilah kept trying to find out what the, the secret of his strength was. And he would tell them something, it wasn't true, and then Samson would, de would defeat the Philistines. And finally, he told her, he said, it's in my hair. And they came and they cut his hair. And when the Philistines came, he rose up to fight them. But the Bible says this, the Spirit of the Lord had departed Samson and he didn't even know it. So if that Holy Spirit can come upon us, and it indwells us today as new believers, we'll see. Today it stays with us, church, but I'm going to tell you what we can do with it today. We can quench it. Paul talk, talking to the church at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, he said, do not quench the Spirit. And I am convinced that the problems in our, in our churches today, in our families today, in our nation today, is that we have allowed the Holy Spirit and His ministry and His work to be quenched. And I'm guilty of it. And I don't have this on your outline. If you've got a pen and you want to write it down, but I wrote these in my notes. There's four ways we quench that Spirit. There is four ways we quench the Holy Spirit today. Number one is sin. If there's sin in your life that you're not dealing with, this is unrepentant sin and you're not getting serious about it, you're going to quench what the Holy Spirit wants to do through you. He's not going to function. He's not going to use you like He wants to use you to impact your family, your workplace, your culture if you're staying in a sin that He's convicting you of. The next is will, our will. See, as Pentecostals church, the Holy Spirit's not going to come over you and take you over and put you in some type of trance. You have control of that. So if your will says, Lord, you can come this far, but you're not coming any further, that's as far as He'll come. And He might want to do something in your life. There might be a need in your life. There might be, you might need healing. You might need to be re released from something. But you're saying, Lord, just this far. Now, I don't, I'm not comfortable with you coming any further than this. And I'm convinced that as a nation, that's where we are because we, we're strong. We got military. We got money. We got everything. Pastor gave a uh, message a couple weeks ago. He used a scripture out of Deuteronomy to describe that for the nation of Israel. And it, 
it, it applies to America today. We're fat and happy. So we really don't need the Holy Spirit to really get in here and mess things up. We can quench Him with our will. We can quench Him with fear. We can quench Him with fear. A lot of people, you know, I don't know anything about this. You guys believe in all those gifts, the speaking tongues, words of prophecy and knowledge and healing and discerning of spirits. I'm scared of that stuff. I don't want anything to do with that stuff. Even though it's 100% scriptural. Even though it's something that God wants to use you for. And, and listen, church, it's, if the gift functions in you, and that gift is for us today, all these gifts are for us today, I got a newsflash for you. It's not to make you look like some super Christian. It's not because show how pious you are. He said he wants to use that gift through you to bless and build the kingdom of God. Amen. That's what it's for. I've got it down at the bottom of your outline, but I want to say it now. The gifts, I, I won't get through all these gifts. I can tell you that today. But if you look at number four, no, letter B. It says in the scriptures that the gifts are the, for the prophets of all. The gifts are to function in the church to build up the body of the church. But not to keep it in here. It's not for us to keep it in here. I think too many times we come into the church and we say, boy, we, gonna have, we had us a time in the Lord today. We're going to go home and we're going to do what we do during the week and we're going to come back and do it all over again Sunday. That's not what he wants to do with that gift. He wants you to take that gift out there. He wants you to go, and this is one thing that's, that's, Corona's hurting us in a lot of ways. But one thing I've always enjoyed doing is going and praying for someone in a hospital. Why? Because I believe God can still heal today. And he could use, and I think for too long people think, well, that's the pastor's responsibility, the elder. No. It's for you as a believer in the Lord to function, to go and say, I know someone who needs prayer. I'm going to go and I'm going to trust God and I'm going to say, can I pray with you? And I can tell you I've done that many times. Very, very, very seldom. I don't think it's ever happened to me. Is someone going to say, I don't want you praying for me. But if they do, that's fine. But how do you know that you're not the one that God is, especially if he's pricked your heart and said, I want you to go pray for that person. And that will happen to you if you're sensitive to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I want you to go witness to that person. Now I've given you a word for that person. But you've got to be willing to, to act on it and not be afraid. And fear keeps us. That includes me. That includes me, church. There's been some times I have just flat missed it because of fear. But fear will quench the spirit. And lastly is unbelief. There's people who sit in churches today who are just flat, don't believe it. They don't believe that happens today. And if you're one of those, well, I don't believe in that stuff. Larry, I don't believe that mess happens no more. That stopped with the apostles. Okay. Then, then you're certainly not going to receive. I have a good friend I love to share with, and he said, they don't, I don't know that they don't believe in it, but they don't practice the laying on of hands for healing. And he was telling me how his pastor, and it's a solid church, had preached on healing. And I said, well, did, did, they come down and, and then you put your hands on No, no. Then how are you going to get healed? I mean, I know they can get healed in their seat. I understand. But the Word of God says any sick among you, let them call on the elders of the church. And put your hands on them. That's what the Bible says. And the Bible says that healing is still for us today. Now, whether God will heal or not, we leave that up to Him. But if we don't believe in it, we can sit there with our hands crossed or our arms crossed and say, not for us today. Quench him by our sin. We quench him with our wills. We quench him with fear. And we quench him with unbelief. And folks, we have entire churches today. Entire denominations. They've decided what sin is and what sin is not. And I believe that the Holy Spirit has left the building. And will he leave? Yes, he will. The Spirit of the Lord was upon Jesus. Look at Luke 4, 18 through 21. Jesus was citing the prophet Isaiah when he said this. He was in a synagogue, and he said this. He took the scroll, and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me. And, and look, look, look what the Spirit of the Lord had anointed Jesus to do. To preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to recover the sight of the blind, to set liberty of those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And he handed that scroll back and he said, today this is fulfilled in your hearing. 
And that's what the anointing of the Spirit of the God did on Jesus. And it is available for us today to do these same things. And that's what it's for. And I'm going to get into the purpose. It is not for us to act weird. It's not for us to act like a looney tune. It's not. It is power for service to impact our workplaces, our lives, our families, our culture, and our nation. As a matter of fact, in Acts 10.38, Peter was talking to Cornelius. Cornelius was a Gentile. Peter had been given a vision. He said, I want you to go to this Gentile man. And and, and in the vision, they said, whoa, whoa, these are Gentiles. They don't don't get to receive what what the Jews have received. And the Holy Spirit spoke to Peter and said, ho, ho, don't don't you call anything unclean that I've cleaned. He said, hey, it's, it's time. This thing's available for everybody now. So Peter goes, and he begins to explain to Cornelius what has happened. And this is what it says in Acts 10.38. Peter, speaking of Jesus, he said, This is how, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Who went about, here's what he went about doing. Doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And that same Spirit wants us to go about and do good, share the gospel, Pray that God would, he would deliver people who are oppressed by the devil because God is with us. He, he said, I'm going to send one that's going to be with you and is going to help you. Jesus himself, he told us specifically what the purpose of the Holy Spirit would be in the, in the New Testament. And it's found in John 16, 5 through 15. Jesus said this, But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things, you, you said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he comes to you, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you the things to come. He will glorify me, and he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I have said, he will take care of mine. He will take of mine and declare it to you. Jesus told us clearly what the, what the purpose of the Holy Spirit would be. He would be to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He's the one who convicts. I have sat under that conviction before. If you're here this morning, whether it's during praise and worship, whether it's during the message, or whether it's at the altar time, if you feel something in your heart, you feel something pricking in your heart, and it says, I need to get there, that is the ministry of the Holy Spirit drawing you to Jesus. That's His work. Of righteousness. Of righteousness. His word is righteousness. He's the one who still guides his believer. You know, there are some who believe that that the Holy Spirit doesn't convict the believer of sin anymore. I hope that's not true because I still get convicted. And of righteousness. He's the one who will guide you. He's the one who when things you, you start to get off the path a little bit and say, whoa, 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 that's not for you. You ever experienced that before? That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Letting you know this is the way you need to go. And of judgment. I believe every person has some sense of understanding of the judgment of God. And when they don't, when there's none, I think that's where we get a depraved mind. No judgment of God. He's the author of the New Testament. John 14 and 26 says, But the, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Most scholars believe that is the verse that speaks to the writing of the New Testament. He told them, everything I've said to you, everything I've taught you, I'll bring it to your remembrance so that when you start to write it, and it'll be in this book, 
that will be handed down from generation to generation to generation. I'm going to remind you of it. And if you look at 1 Peter 1 and 20 and 21, it says, Knowing this, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. I love that because you don't get to, you don't get to interpret this. It's, what it says is truth. And it'll be interpreted through the Holy Spirit through you in those areas maybe that you're trying to figure things out. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved along by the Holy Spirit. That's how we got the Bible. People will say, they'll get critical of the Bible, and they say, well, man wrote it. No, they didn't. Man penned it. The Holy Spirit wrote it. He, come, he, he superintended everything that was written in this yeah. book. He made sure that the truth was in this book. He guides the believer in truth. If we ever needed to know what the truth is today, it is today. There is so much. The Bible says don't be pulled around by every whim of doctrine. There's so much nonsense out there these days. And social media has made it worse. Please don't get your doctrine and your theology off social media. Get into a good, solid Bible teaching, preaching church and sit under good teaching and good preaching. Find somebody who's living it and let them talk to you about how you walk through this thing. Not off social media, not off one-sentence memes. And nothing, you know what, nothing makes me any more sick, and we're going to see it more and more as we get closer to the election, than politicians using the Word of God. They'll take one little snippet out of it. The Word of God is not to be used that way. He glorifies Christ in us and through us. His primary purpose is to bring glory to Jesus Christ. And the way He does that in me and the way He does that in you is by saving us, how we live our lives, the influence we have on people, how we go and minister to people, any and everything we do that the Holy Spirit works in us, it glorifies Jesus Christ. That's what it's for. It is to glorify Him. And today the New Testament believer is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. When they were picking some men to take care of some of the tasks not associated with teaching and preaching the word, they picked a man named Stephen. And in Acts 6 and 5 it said, and, saying, and the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit indwells us now. He indwells you. That's the purpose. The purpose is to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He authored the New Testament. He guides us in truth. He glorifies Christ in us and through us. And we're indwelled by that Holy Spirit. But what comes from that then is power. It's power. It's dunamis power that comes through and by the Holy Spirit. It was given on the day of Pentecost. Jesus told the disciples, he said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power, dunamis from on high. The word that stuck out at me when I read that scripture and thought about this is tarry. There was 120 people. He said, go tarry. Go wait. We don't wait for nothing. God, I'm going to come in church. I'm going to bust in here at the last minute and come noon. If you ain't got me out of here, then I'm leaving anyway. And if you can't get it done in that hour and a half, it ain't going to get done. Now, I, I don't mean to be critical. But that's, that's just part of our culture. We're in a hurry. We got to go, you know, got to go, 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 go. But, but we want the power of the Holy Spirit, but we don't want to tarry for it. We don't want to press in. And it may not be on Sunday morning. It may be at a Friday night prayer. It may be at a night of worship. It may be at your home. I don't know. But Jesus said, tarry. Wait a while. I wonder what would have happened today if he'd have given those instructions to the American church. Acts 2, 1 through 4. It said, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord. And that was another one. So they tarried and they were in one accord. How often is the church in one accord? 
And I'm not just, when I say the church, I mean the church at large. I'm not just talking about Bethel. We're too busy fussing about minimal doctrinal issues, what type of music should be played, how long the church service would run, what, what color is the carpet supposed to be, to be in one accord, yes. seeking the Lord. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The power of the Holy Spirit came that day. The power of the Holy Spirit is for service. Jack Hayford said this. Well, let me read Acts 1, 4 through 8. It said, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them to, not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly, truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit days from now. I'm going to read the rest of that in a minute, but here's something I think is important that you understand. We believe in this church, and it's scriptural, that there was a subsequent experience to salvation. And Jesus right there said, look, he said, you've been baptized with John through water. If you read Acts 19, and you can write that down if you want to, you read Acts 19. Paul was walking through Ephesus, and the Bible says he saw some disciples. Okay? That means they were followers of the Lord. I, I see these disciples. I'm going to go talk to them. And he goes and talks to them. He says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you first believed? And, and the Bible says that they said, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. He said, well, what baptism did you receive? He said, we were the baptism of John. He said, well, that was a baptism of repentance. Okay, You repented of your sin. The Holy Spirit was within you. Now receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that Paul laid his hands on them and they spoke with tongues. That's a very different experience. And it's just as much for us today. That's where the power comes from as it was then. But you should be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Those disciples wanted to, they were still right back in the natural. They wanted to know, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Church, I want to say it's not for us to, to worry about whether or not the, the coronavirus vaccination is going to be the mark of the beast. It's not for us to worry about, is this the end times? It's not to worry about that much whether Trump's going to get elected or Biden's going to get elected or who's going to fill RBG seat, all that stuff. It is time for us here to be endued with power and be about the kingdom's business as much as we are about the world's business. And that is the truth. Man, if spirit-filled believers were as concerned about the things of God, would spend more time, as much time talking and being concerned about all this stuff that's going on, if they would spend as that much time in the presence of the Lord, seeking Him, worshiping Him, and praying, there's no telling what He might do through the church today. You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's right there at their hometown. In Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That power is not for us to keep within ourselves. It's not for us to, you know, look like we're real spiritual and pious. It's for us to have an impact in our world. Jack Hayford put it this way. He said, the baptism of the Holy Spirit brings endowment of spiritual power for intensified service. As I thought about this, and, I, and I, this come to my mind, I thought, Larry, do you need to say that? I, I, but I think I will because I'll, I'll, I'll trust it was the Holy Spirit. But someone who comes in and functions in the gifts within the building of the church, and I believe that and I believe we should that, do that. If that person is not out in some level witnessing, working in the kingdom, praying with the lost, witnessing to the lost, I wonder what the purpose of the gift is. Because clearly to me, Jesus made it real clear what the purpose of the gift is. It's profit of all for us to be an impact in our world. I want to read something that comes right out of our church's statement of beliefs. And I thought it was good. 
So I want to read to you what, what we, in our, in our statement of belief for our church, what we say that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for. With the baptism in the Holy Spirit comes such experiences as an overflowing fullness of the Spirit. And these, these things I'm getting ready to say are more important today, church, than they've ever been, what I'm about to say. A deepened reverence for God, an intensified consecration to God and dedication to His work, a more active love for Christ, for His Word, and for the lost. That's what the Holy Spirit baptism creates in us. A deepened reverence for God, an intensified consecration to God, and a dedication to His work, and a more active love for Christ, for His Word, and for the lost. The Holy Spirit's job is to, one of His jobs is to glorify Christ. And He wants to do that through you. He wants to flow through you, function through you. But if we hold back, and I think one of the places that we hold back most that He really wants to start to work, many times is in worship. We, we don't, especially, I'm, I'm going to speak to the, to the men for a minute. Well, somebody's going to think I'm one of those weirdos. You know, if we worship like the Psalms told us to worship, I just read one. It said, shout to the Lord. Sing. Bow. Kneel. Clap your hands. This is, can't do that. It's not me, Brother Larry. It's not me. I challenge you to begin to worship the God of heaven. Begin to worship. You, you, what you're worried about, you're worried, well, I'm worried about this person behind me, this person, for what are they going to think about me? Don't worry about that. Let God move through. Just begin to worship Him for who He is. The power results in the gifts which assist in service. And I've got all the gifts lifted, listed here. Mark can bring up 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 11. I'm, not, I'm just going to name them. And I just want to say a couple things about them. They're found in 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 11. First of all, and I mentioned this, it says that the different gifts and ministries are through the same Lord and the same Spirit. They're given for the profit of all. They're given for the profit of everyone. They're not for one person to... Show how spiritual they are. And you see what they are. It's the word of wisdom. The word of knowledge. The gift of faith. The gift of healings. The working of miracles. The gift of prophecy. The discerning of spirits. The gift of tongues. And the interpretation of tongues. And it tells us that the spirit gives the gifts to the individuals. Every one of those gifts are still available to us today. Now, are they going to happen every day, every service in your life, every time? No. But they're available to us today. And if we, if we don't open ourselves to them, if we, if we let sin, our wills, our fear, and unbelief, say, God, I, and I've experienced many of these. And, and, and one thing, church, I grew up uh, in a very active church of God. And as a young boy, and this was probably just because it was my perceptions as, as a young boy, to me, the gifts were always associated with emotion, with demonstrative actions. And so I kind of saw those two things always going together. And I heard Jack Hayford, who wrote this Bible, at a luncheon in California years ago. And he spoke on the, on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gifts. And I've never heard someone speak in such a clear, methodical, theological way about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And it, and it helped me. I'll just say it helped me. Because I think people are much more open to understand why this is important if we, if we explain it, if we bring it out of the Word of God. But I always seem to associate those two things together. But it doesn't have to be that way. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you one story of, of me personally. I've never forgotten this. It was, um, this has been many years ago, I, uh, myself and Rick, we were, we, when we were working shift work in the police department, we, we had a landscaping business. And God had been dealing with me, talking with me in my spirit, and that's a function of the Holy Spirit, folks. When the, when the Spirit stirs up something, you need to listen to what it's telling you. And He was stirring something in my spirit, I'd 
recently come back to, hadn't been back in the church long, was trying to rededicate my life to the walk that I knew the Lord wanted me to have. And, and at that time, I had gone into a Monday through Friday job. God was saying, it's time to let go of that. Larry, you need to dedicate more time to what I've called you to do. And so we, me and the Lord, we had this big conversation. Maybe you hadn't had those, but we did. And, I, and he put some things in place that made it clear to me that that's what I needed to do. But I didn't do it. And at that time, Lib Jones was coming to church here, and, and she and a couple people, they used to have a group that would met, met at the old NC barbecue. And they said, look, there's this man, he's going to be, he's a, he's a missionary from South Africa. Uh, why don't you come? It was the Christian businessman's thing, I think, Pastor. And I said, okay, I don't typically go, but I went. And as I look back on that, I know I went because the Holy Spirit was guiding my steps. And at that time, I had a little cyst on my neck, and I, they was thinking maybe I'd have to have it operated on. And she said, look, this guy prays for healing. And so I just went because I, I believe I can get healed here, but I, I just went. And so I had been in this back and forth with the Lord for some time, and I went up when he began to say, okay, anybody wants prayer? I walked up there. I've never seen this man before in my life. He lived in Wilmington, North Carolina. I mean, that's how vivid it is. I just remember everything about it. And when I walked up to that man and I stood in front of him, he looked at me and he said, young man, I'm going to pray for you. I was young then. He said, young man, I'm going to pray for you. He said, but before I do, God says you got some decisions to make. And man, he didn't know it. But the hair stood up on the back of my neck and my eyes watered because I knew that the God of heaven had just spoken to me through a word of prophecy through that man. There was no emotion. There was nothing attached to it. But folks, that's the gift. That's the gifts of the Spirit. He wants to speak to you. If there's something happening in your life, He wants to direct you. He wants to guide you. And He will if you'll be sensitive to it. But if you won't be sensitive to it, He won't. I thought about the story of Elijah. I'm closing here. I'm going to ask Matt and the team if they'll, they'll come forward. I thought about the story of Elijah. You know Elijah had the Mount Carmel experience. I love that story. He goes up there and the gods of Jezebel and the gods of Baal are up there and Elijah's up there and, and uh, they're trying to see who's, who's the real God and the, the prophets of Baal are trying to get something to happen and nothing's happening. And, and Elijah's just taunting him. He's like, well, maybe he's asleep. Shout a little louder. Nothing happens. And then they build an altar. And, and Elijah says, put the wood around it. Cover it with water. Build a moat around it and fill it with water. And when Elijah calls on the God of heaven, the Bible says that fire come down and he lapped that thing up. And they knew right then who the real God was. It was the God of Elijah. It was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But, but Elijah went, immediately went into a deep depression because, because Jezebel had said, let me tell you something, Elijah, just as sure as you killed those prophets, I'm going to kill you. So how do you go from this mountaintop experience seeing these things, to being depressed and running? But he did because he's a human being just like we are. And the Bible says he went into a cave and he was calling on God. And the scriptures say that as he was calling on God, there was a big earthquake. But God wasn't in the earthquake. And then there was a strong wind that come through. But God wasn't in the wind. And then there was one that we really like as Pentecost. It says the fire come down. He went in the fire. But then it says Elijah heard a gentle whisper. Hear a gentle whisper. I don't know how God through his Holy Spirit will speak through you. It might be, and there's nothing wrong with the emotion of worshiping. I love it. But he might just speak to you in a gentle whisper. The gifts. We need the power of God today. More than ever. We live in a world where people are anxious, people are afraid, people are depressed, and they're looking for something to help them with it. And there's nothing more than the power of the Holy Spirit that can do that. And you carry that in you. You carry that in you if you're saved. If you've never had been baptized in the Holy Spirit, we hope you will because then you will carry that power with you. You will carry a special power with you that can make a difference in someone's life. I'm going to ask Pastor Don to come up.
We're going to do something a little bit different this morning, church. Pastor called me this week, and I, I, I have been feeling the same way. I even shared something similar with Brother Michael on Friday night prayers. We need to be careful. I understand that. Corona is a real thing. I know people who have been sick by it. I have some, a friend of mine, his mother passed away. It's a real thing. And we want you to be comfortable with whatever it is you decide to do. But it's also time to start letting people have time to minister around this altar again. And so for the next few minutes, I've asked Matt and them to play a song. The song is, here is in heaven. But it says the atmosphere is changing now because the Spirit of the Lord is here. It's time for the atmosphere to change in our churches. It's time for the atmosphere to change in our homes. It's time for the atmosphere to change in our nation. And if that's going to happen, it's going to be done by Spirit-filled believers. That's who's going to do it. The atmosphere is changing now because the Spirit of the Lord is here. And it says miracles can happen now because the Spirit of the Lord is here. I want to invite you to come spread out. We got that pew is open. This pew is open because Brother Gerald, he'll make a place for you. There's some place in this pew. There's some place in this pew, front pew. Let's come down. Maybe you've never come down and knelt in an altar and prayed and sought the Lord and just spent some time in his presence. Come. If you have a need this morning, you have a need of healing. There's something going on in your life. You need something from God. You can stay in your seat. You can let, you can let your will, you can let your fear, and you can let your unbelief prevent you from receiving what you need from God. That's between you and God. But I will tell you that if you step out in faith, I believe the Holy Spirit of heaven will minister to you. I believe that with all my heart. You need something this morning. You come down. I've spoken to Pastor Don. I've got a mask. You put your mask on. You can face this way. We'll come behind you. And we'll pray for you. But in the, for everyone else, I just want you to come down and let's, let's worship. Let's spend some time in His presence. Matt.
I just want to say one thing. There's somebody in here who needs something. And you're letting fear and your will keep you from getting it. I don't know who it is. But if God, if that Holy Spirit is pecking at your heart, don't walk out of here. He wants to do something for you. Hallelujah. Powerful, powerful service. Powerful sermon. I thank Larry Smith for allowing God to use him today to speak to our hearts. Would you praise God for using this man of God today? Amen. <laughs> Brother Michael, whatever you know, yeah, bring me whatever you converts you know and the other one. Uh, yeah, there, there you go. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. If you're here today and you have never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit or you don't understand all about it, and I'm sure none of us understand all about it, but you'd like to know more about receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we have one of the most comprehensive books. It's very simple. It's written by June Evans, a lady we know. But it explains all you need to know about the baptism and about receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I would encourage you. We have these on the front row, uh, front pew. And if you'd like to get one, please get one. If you're here today and you're not saved and you'd like to be saved, you can be. But maybe you're a new convert. You don't know all there is to know about that. We have a little book that says, Whatever New Convert Should Know. I would encourage you. You can read this with one sitting. I would encourage you to get this book, please. Uh, it would take a long time to read either one of these books. In fact, I would encourage you to get both of them. They're here on the front row, and uh, we, we would encourage you to do that. I hate to dismiss, but I guess we better dismiss and go and do whatever. Okay. I am the God that healeth thee. I, I am the God. I am the God that heals. I am the Lord, your healer. I sit my word and heal your disease. The power of God's here today. The spirit and the anointing of the Lord is in this place. Somebody is being healed. Sing it again. Someone's being healed today. Whoa, you're healer. One more time. I am the God that healeth thee. I am the God that healeth thee. I am the Lord, your healer. We could take up a lot of time today telling about miracles <clears throat> that have happened 
to so many in this place this morning, healings that have taken place. God's a healer. He will heal. It's like Brother Larry said. He chooses the ones to heal. I don't understand all about that, but I'll tell you one thing. I know that God's a healer. Amen. Thank you for coming and being with us today. October the 9th. Somebody say October the 9th. October the 9th is the last day to register to vote. I would encourage you to register to vote if you've not registered to vote. And then I would encourage you to vote. Somebody say amen. That's a privilege that many millions of people around the world do not have. You and I have that privilege. You need to say something else, Larry. Come on up. So I would encourage you, if you will, uh, don't listen to a lot of lies that's on television and news reports. Let me tell you who I'm going to vote for. You know who I'm going to vote for? Would you like to know? I'm going to vote for the one that adheres to the word of God. Maybe they both do. I don't know. But I'm going to look at it. I'm going to study both of them. And I'm going to say, I'm going to vote for this one. Let me tell you what ranks up there. One of the top reasons I'll vote for a person, whether they believe pro-life or abortion. That's one of my gauges. But please do register to vote. Please do vote. Father, we love you today. We ask you, God, to bless each and every one as we go our way. Keep us in your care. Wait a minute. Hold it. I'm sorry. Come, come on. I forgot. You, 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 you all, I just want to say that you may be aware that this Saturday from 12 to 2 in the nation's capital, thousands of our brothers and sisters in the Lord will gather at the nation's capital to pray. Uh, you may have seen it on some things. Thousands from 12 to 2. So I, I would think maybe when this is over, take your smartphone or something and set 12 to 2 in there and, and, and take some time, take a few minutes, and let's join with them here from wherever you are. Our nation needs prayer. Yes. We need to pray. And so thousands of our brothers and sisters will go to the nation's capital where there's been, we've seen the riots and everything. It's going to be awesome to watch people pray and seek God. So let's join them this Saturday. Uh, we hope you'll come on Friday night prayer. We'll be praying for our nation on Friday night. If you're not being come, but this Saturday, 12 to 2. Let's pray for the nation. P.S. Lord, keep us in your care and watch over us, and we'll praise you in Christ's name. Amen.